It's Wednesday, May 17th. Today we've got AI leaders calling for regulation, ChatGPT and ER, and are we facing a forever labor shortage? This is Accelerate Daily. Welcome back for another review of the last 24 hours in AI. I'm Adam. My name is Mackenzie. Let's jump into it. Our uh, lead image for the title card today says, I went ahead and did a, did stereotypes for all 50 U.S. states. You should check it out under the link. It's a collection of 50 different images where the prompt was, create a picture of a stereotypical resident of insert state. What state is this? This is Maryland, where I grew up. Yeah. It's a, it's a bro in a jersey sitting on top of a pile of crabs and lacrosse sticks at what looks like the shore of the Chesapeake Bay. And I will say, accurate. (laughs) (laughs) First up, we got AI leaders calling for regulation. This link is for the uh, BBC article. Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI, calls for U.S. to regulate artificial intelligence. This is an ongoing breaking story. Like, I'm pretty sure he's at Congress today. We, We mentioned it yesterday. He was there yesterday. I think he's there again today. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, three hours of Congress people asking questions of an assortment of leaders in the AI space. I will say it, it wasn't, it didn't feel like as much of a clown car as these things sometimes are. No one described AI as a series of tubes or anything like that. Um, <laughs> the level of concern does seem appropriate. Uh, Senator Blumenthal had chat GPT write, and then I think 11 labs produce a vocal clone of his opening statement, which at first I was confused about. But then once I realized what was going on, I was sort of like, ooh, okay. But I think the main headline is that, that has been showing up today is Altman expressing concern and asking for regulation. He said that there should be a licensing regime for models, that there should be an agency in charge of that and, and that watches the things ongoing. He also eluded... To what I, he he took a what I think was a dig at Palantir in terms of uh, or or Andoril I, I guess it might be talking about AI guiding militarized drones. <laughs> Max shaking his head. <laughs> you vote no on militarized AI. The existence of drones already is so like not okay, <laughs> and then they just give them autonomy is irresponsible. Yeah, we've talked about this a little bit already. I've, I've kind of broken down the, at least the US DOD's take on this stuff, which is, I do think it's a fun thing to talk about in the space of this is terrifying. At the same time, if you look at the actual operating procedure for this stuff, there are no, they handle it like the handle nukes, which is there are people in the chain of command before any sort of kill order is given. There's, you know, two people with matching keys have to turn them both at the same time before a drone can actually take people out. It's still, it's still a little bit terrifying, though. The licensing, we should talk about a little bit, too. So the kind of concern, or like the pushback there, I think, I think it is a good way to do it. Like, give out, you know, there's only so many groundbreaking um, LLMs that could be released in a year, so we don't get this kind of rapid pr- proliferation, which could lead to like a fast takeoff of misaligned AI. That's like the main safety concern. And so the way that Altman wants to do it is there's like a limited number of licenses and only certain people can release boundary-breaking LLMs. So that kind of just generally kills like this open source movement that we've seen, which is odd because how do you like regulate that? Like 
is there a fine or like is it prison time for releasing an LLM without a license or like what's the plan there, right? Because these new open source LLMs don't need all that many resources to be trained. Right. I, like I said yesterday, if they don't do it the right way, this looks like the RIAA going after like grandmas with Metallica MP3s on their hard drives. Not only does it look stupid and make the enforcement body look ineffectual, but it doesn't end up solving Mm -hmm. the problem. I don't think the scale is that small. It's still like, it's not zero dollars to train a new LLM. It's like somewhere between 200,000 and a million. But 200,000 and a million is like, like a lot of business owners could handle that, right? Like most of like the, whatever, the landed Republicans in the United States could handle something like that. So it is kind of like a public, publicly available thing, but it's not grandmas that don't know what they're doing. It's also worth calling out the sort of counter perspective to what Altman's saying, which, you know, the, the, look, I work at an AI safety company. Like, I believe that the alignment problem is real. At the same time, he is sitting in the seat where you say these sorts of things because regulatory capture is to your benefit. Mm -hmm. That is to say, he knows he's going to get one of those licenses. And if there's only four licenses and there only get to be so many players, and then that's sort of how you end up with only four networks once we were talking about broadcast TV or whatever, because there's only so many slots can be good and bad. And then, like you said, is it even enforceable? It's for sure an interesting challenge, which is why I'm in this space and why everyone should continue to tune in for uh, uh, the latest. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I do this for a living. Yeah. As new, as new mission control offers come online, that'll start to become more and more relevant throughout this conversation. Yeah. The rabbit hole is deep on this one. To a thematically linked story, which is to say that the leaders of AI companies are not the only ones worried about this one. This one says the people are worried, uh, with a link from Reuters. AI threatens humanity's future, 61% of Americans say. Getting 61% of Americans to agree on something is pretty difficult and expensive. So it's interesting how this shook out. But it's also a poll, right? So also 48% of Americans think that the last election wasn't legitimate. So shrug, right? Like one of the frustrating things was watching Congress people get up and go, yes, but we have to talk about this because 48% of people, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yes, well, that's because you've been lying to them, Mm -hmm. right? Like this percentage doesn't necessarily legitimize the concern. It just points to this is, this is properly the right type of pressure that will push regulation from the other side, right? Mm -hmm. The people at the top are saying we should regulate this stuff. It's concerning people at the bottom. The constituents are saying, we should regulate this. It's concerning. All just telegraphs forthcoming regulation Mm -hmm. in the end. I want to say for anyone at home that's worried about like AI impacting their job, as somebody who's directly incentivized to do that, I I don't think it's possible. I think that there's going to have to be a human in the loop. Like recently on Mission Control, there was a story about Wendy's like order takers, AI order taker at Wendy's. The order taking was not a job. There wasn't like somebody who's like only an order taker ever. That person was wearing a headset and then they'd go hop online if they needed to and they would kind of all be overemployed and, and take turns doing this task. So for that aspect to get automated out doesn't mean that anybody at Wendy's is like losing a job. They're all just going to be doing different things. And I think that is what we're going to see play out across multiple industries because it's what I see play out in my user base. But there's still humans doing everything and checking everything. Human in the loop is not solvable yet. Right. It's It's... You know, it's back to that Steve Jobs thing about computers, right? A bicycle for the mind. It's a it's a multiplier, but it doesn't 
doesn't mean a person doesn't have to be there to continue to push it forward. Totally. Next up, ChatGPT and the ER. Uh, we talked about this in an earlier episode where there was a study about how ChatGPT was more effective at empathy. But this one is more of a personal account of how an ER doctor is using it. From Fast Company, the headline says, I'm an ER doctor. Here's how I'm already using ChatGPT to tr- help treat patients. It feels almost like a bait and switch as, a he- as headlines go because it sounds like they're using it for doctoring. What they actually talk about is a specific scenario where like the whole family or the patient was there in a, in a trauma situation. Everybody's worried. Everybody has their opinion. And you're constantly trying to say, look, here's the reason we can't give them fluids, even though you think that's the right idea. And the doctor talks about the effort to explain it and how it was difficult. And then how they thought, okay, I'm going to go use ChatGPT to do this. And ChatGPT came up with an answer that when they read it or had the nurse read it, it calmed everybody down and worked really effectively. Excellent. That is very surprising. That's not the application that I was expecting for like medical LLMs. Um, I did sit down. I sat down with a doctor and I tried to figure out ways that LLMs could help doctors. And mostly the thread that I was on was um, that America has a paperwork problem, right? Like insurance companies are making medical decisions and they need like doctors are like a hold into these insurance companies to get all that paperwork done. And ChatGPT excels at doing paperwork. So I was trying to come up with like some transcription to like summarization and then some JSON is like pasting into these insurance fields, something like that. So that doctors could spend more time doctoring instead of like form filling, which is what most of their time is right now, 60 to 70%. But this this kind of like bedside manner automation, I don't feel like I can fully form an opinion yet. Like it's cool. And and that's all I got. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Well, it's it's an interesting, it's, you know, it's one of those things that you especially in the ER context and the sort of like everything's moving fast, everybody's worried, everybody's scared. It's one of those places where we do the best we can as humans. I had a bunch of doctors in my family. They are constantly running on, like they haven't slept in 24 hours. They're doing the best they can. My sister has to tell people's family that their loved one died on the regular, right? Like it's never an easy thing to do. And, and you practice and you get reps in and you try and then we have training. But like it's still, it's, she is still... a a, a meat computer with her own emotions and her own problems, trying to say the right thing to people that are going to process it poorly anyway, because they're having their own sort of like trauma response at the time. And it just, it's, it's a perfect example of a place where of course humans are bad at it. Like we're doing the best that we can, but it's still, it's going to get fumbled occasionally and stuff like that. And so I think like this is almost a really good example or what we call like latent capacity or latent talent inside of these things, which is when you read a story like this, you go, well, that feels a lot like empathy. And so that's weird because that's this human trait. And we usually say like, okay, the best doctors are empathetic and they have sensitive bedside manner and blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's actually kind of not what we need. Mm-hmm. What we need is to the people that were here for or, or watching the live stream, we need the bedside manner version of the optimization that you were talking about for learning, right? Where it's like, okay, how much of this concept do I need to explain at what level so they understand the decision that I'm making as a doctor? And then how do I also just say the right words to show that I'm, that I'm empathetic to their situation and that I'm not, you know, that I'm not proceeding willy-nilly and, and things like that. So 
when I look at it that way, like I'm not surprised that this is a really good application because putting together the right couple hundred words of how to explain this to people that are, you know, while you're literally like, and also I got to get back in this room and do my real job, which is try to keep this person from dying. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, for sure. Good story to check totally. out for an example of how this stuff is accelerating into weird spots, but I think for the better. Okay. And this one is actually not specifically about AI, but I wanted to wrap up on it because I think we can have a good little jam here. This one is from Business Insider. The headline says, The Forever Labor Shortage. It aligns to some of the stuff that you were talking about just a minute ago. The article, though, is largely about how the boomers' parents had 3.8 kids per mother, and then the boomers only had 1.8 kids per mother which is now, as the boomer generation starts to retire, turning into a situation where it's a fair projection that we are maybe never going to have enough people to fill all of the open jobs. So for all of the boomers' life, they always felt like there are, there are too many people and not enough jobs. And now we have this weird situation where all the economists are like, it feels like this should be a recession, but like, Unemployment is still sitting at like 3.8%, which is actually good. Like, like employment is high. And mm. it's because this is starting to happen, which is there are starting to be more jobs than there are people because the biggest volume-wise generation ever is starting to retire. An issue with like numbers like that is that unemployment figures only count people that are like looking for jobs. A lot of people have like given up or like I I would not I would I would not be counted in like labor as yeah. a business owner. Right. So how many people are out there that are like business owners, new business owners with the compounding technologies of like social media and like internet connectivity and automation that are just reducing the overall, like how many, how many people, you know what I mean, are looking for work, but just like gave up or are underemployed and, or gig workers and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I don't know if this is necessarily true, but it is, it fits nicely. It's like, it's one of those things in the universe where the puzzle pieces just fall into place at the exact same time that we have less workers, the workers are being potentiated to be able to do more by themselves. And it's such a fluid, smooth gradient <laughs> as these things right. are happening all at once. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you said it in an interesting way, which is it, it's almost like, it almost lines up like that's how it should be, mm-hmm. right? Like, like technology wants a certain thing here, yeah, which is uh, fewer humans consuming and spewing out carbon while not slowing down the technological progress or productive output. Also, I'll say it's it's it the what I see that seems to be validation for this is my experience as a millennial in the workforce is that my managers don't understand what I'm talking about when I explain that all of my peers have a resume that to the boomers looks irresponsible because we hop jobs every two or three years. But it's because we can, because the jobs are there. And so there's so so part of what drives all the weirdness that's happening right now is also the fact that when I go to my managers to try to renegotiate things and say, you realize I can go get another job in like six weeks. They're like, no, I don't know about that. And it's like, I because you don't know what the market's like out there, which is that this is really happening. This mm-hmm. is there there are jo- there are so many jobs. <laughs> but like you said, the the reason I've throw this in here in an AI podcast is because there's another answer to a labor shortage, which is, like you said, potentiation. 
And that's Accelerate Daily for Wednesday, May 17th. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. I have been Adam. I've been Mackenzie. Thanks for listening.